All right, folks, uh, by my clock, it is 3 p.m. Mountain, which means we are going to get this show rolling. So for those of you attending our first live episode of SEO On Demand, welcome to episode four. The subject of today's live episode is how to connect with your audience through strategic content and link building. So we are going to really get into the bread and butter of SEO today. We have an incredible panel of SEO experts from across page one power. Uh, I'm going to throw to them to introduce themselves in just a minute. But before we do that, I just want to remind everyone uh, we're live streaming here on Zoom, but also live streaming on YouTube. So if you want to participate in the chat, we definitely encourage that. Part of the reason we decided to do this episode live was so we could answer your questions and try to help you with whatever it is about SEO that you're working on or that you want help with. Um, there will be a recording of the episode both on our YouTube page and published through our RSS feed. So if you listen on Spotify or whatever, uh, you'll be able to catch us after the fact too. Um, please do keep an eye out on the chat or check out the program description if you're watching the recording because we are going to be posting uh, a whole myriad of different downloadables and assets and uh, even doing some interactive quizzes about some SEO stuff. So please do uh, pay attention and stay engaged. And hopefully we'll be able to answer all your questions. Um, we might answer them live during the show, but we're also going to have a Q&A after we get through our panel discussion. So don't be shy. Definitely chime in if there's something you want us to elaborate on or you just came prepared with your own questions. Uh, so with that said, let's meet the expert panel for episode four of SEO On Demand. Uh, Danica, why don't you get us started? Hi, I'm Danica Lawrence. Um, I work in our research production team as a team manager, and I oversee our outreach specialists. Great to have you, Danica. Uh, Jerry Ann. Hi, I'm Jerry Ann Ireland. I coach our content outreach team on finding sites and sending outreach. Perfect. And Kevin, last but certainly not least. Hi, I'm Kevin Gear. I work uh, also in the research department as an advanced link builder for page one. I've been there about a year now, so a little over a year, actually. So, so we've got uh, quite a good spread of different people. Just in the, in the simplest sense, I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the difference between the content link building we do and what we call research link building is basically for research link building, we're asking someone to put a link on an existing page where we feel it belongs. Whereas with content outreach, we're usually seeking out websites who will publish all new pages that will host links to our clients. Is that about the size of it? Correct. You're definitely um, research links to a lot of people will consider them links lists as well. So um, that's pretty common, common term. Yeah. And as far as how we use content, like our team uh, seeks to have mostly guest posts published with our client links in them. So those guest posts will be a new page on the blogs that we're getting on. And I think we just threw another poll up for those of you who are watching live just to see where you're at with your own uh, link building strategy. And we're definitely interested in talking to you uh, or answering your questions, regardless of where you're at in that particular journey. 
I'm going to let that go for just a few more seconds for anybody who wants to participate in that, and then we'll get going again. All right. So both of these teams on the, the content guest posting side and on the uh, research link building side, you're very much at the mercy of other people, other websites to try to make a case, get links built and ultimately benefit the sites that we're working on. And I know a big part of that that we talk about internally a lot is how do we connect with these sites in an authentic way? What, what does authentic connection mean to you as someone working in link building? Uh, for me, I think authentic means, you know, personable and a real human interaction, you know, I think it's really easy, especially through email to kind of just shoot stuff out, you know, without being too personal. And I think that's our main, my main focus and, you know, several others, I'm sure in the department and everything are really trying to get a foot in the door and appear authentic, you know, as a real person, personable, uh, respondable and everything like that. So a big thing on our end with authenticity is like, there's a lot of guest post outreach out there where either the outreach or the content or both is not written specifically for the site or by a person. It's spun by like using technology. And so like, we want to show really upfront, like, I am a real person. I looked at your website. I'm pitching you an article that is being written by a real person. Yeah. Authenticity to me really comes down to a gut check of, is this an email I would respond to? And does it make sense to be coming to me? Is this a person that I can have a conversation with? Um, if it's something that I wouldn't be okay receiving and would make me feel um, like the email I'm receiving is not genuine, that's a really good litmus test. So for me, it's really just being able to connect on that level. So I'm interested in what you just brought up. I mean, I know you're not supposed to define a word by using the word in the definition, but what would make something, what's a red flag for inauthenticity? Like what, what for you would make an email not worth responding to or not worth considering? And how does that inform how you go about trying to reach people in a genuine way? There's a handful of um, red flags, I guess, that I would consider um, when people spell my name incorrectly mm. or when I hear, um, you know, page one power is... Um, you know, it's page one power. When I get emails that say just page one, that for me is just a sign that someone hasn't looked into um, myself or our organization. When I'm talking to people about, um, or when I receive emails and the content of the email doesn't directly um, clue me into what someone's trying to say, uh, that that for me is another just sign that um, they're not really working to build a relationship. I think all outreach really should come down to we're building a relationship, whether that's a one-time relationship or a long-term relationship where maybe you're posting frequently or we share um, different resources or assets frequently. Um, you want 
a genuine relationship with those people and you want to talk to individuals the way that you would expect that. So Jerry Ann previously had brought up the the role that the content itself plays, not just the outreach, the initial communication, but also what you're actually presenting either to write for a site or just asking a site to link to. How how much does that inform both how you do the outreach and how you can present yourself as being more authentic based on what it is you're actually sharing with them to link to? On the content side, I think the biggest um, like asset or like the biggest benefit we can give or show site owners is like why this is relevant to their audience and like why their audience cares about it. So the content like that we're linking to, uh, which may or may not be in like mentioned in the email because like we're pitching a guest post with a link to that content. But the content we're linking to needs to be relevant to their audience. And so saying, like, I think like I think your audience can benefit from something exploring this topic is like a great way to show them you're looking at their site, you know who their audience is, and you know what their audience cares about. And your audience has some overlap with their audience. What about you, Kevin? Because I know, un unlike what Jerry Ann's talking about, you're not pitching a topic that you will then write about you're often pitching the asset itself that you want the links pointing to. Right. So how does that work for you? Um, I think it's honestly really similar to Jerry Ann and the content side as well. Um, you know, we, I really try and let them know that I've re I didn't just grab their site out of a bucket, you know, it was a, it's a fine tuned list, you know, and using their similar terminology and everything like that, showing them that, I didn't just send out this bulk email to you uh, along with a hundred other people. It was, you know, I went through your pages. I went to your homepage to see what you actually provide other than just that one resource list. So really getting to know who I'm outreaching and letting them know that, you know, as well, that it's how and why I came upon them is really important as well as, you know, addressing what and why I'm there, you know, straightforward so i'm interested to hear you talk more about the site finding process itself because i can i can see there's a combination of trying to actually develop some empathy with the audiences that you're supposed to be serving and the people that you're going to be contacting mm. but i have to assume there's also a level of vetting like you were describing it's not just mass emails to everyone with a website so how how do you balance those two and how do you go about those to build a site list that is worth reaching out to and that you can then reach out to more effectively? You know, it comes in a few different ways. I think the, you know, we start with examining or looking at reading through proofing what our asset is that we're going to pitch and see who fits into that category, what types of audiences, um, what niches are available and who can we outreach there starting with that and then exploring with Google searches and backlinking where similar items are hosted and where there's available spaces to place those as well. You know, new and fresh places um, is really important thing, I think as well. So um, there's, it's, it is a process, you know, of, cause you can find two 
sites that offer very similar items, but they their end game isn't necessarily the same thing, you know. So really vetting those out, not just you know creating a, a mass bucket, you know. It's a it's a fine tuned list, as I like to think of it at least, you know. What does that look like on the guest posting side, though, Jerry Ann? Uh, I would say, like, definitely, like, a very useful tool is, like, using the search engines and just seeing what's already, what you can already find that's similar to the asset you're working for or the guest post topic, like, um, what's already, like, where that audience is online. And then um, there, uh, as far as site finding goes, like, with the fine-tuned list, uh, our team, like we do do a lot of like, oh, here's our first list. Like here's all the sites we can find that meet. So like they meet the overall relevance and then we'll go back later and check some metrics, double check that like they don't say they don't take guest posts. Like they want what we're offering them and that the audience is a good fit. So we go through the list and whittle things down several times before ever outreaching anyone. I like that you you express that part of the qualification process here is, do they actually want to hear from anyone? Because there's a lot of blogs out there that are well-managed and they have their writing teams and they're not really interested in like guest writers and they may or may not be interested in getting any kind of what might look like a solicitous outreach. So what what are some clues besides wanting uh, guest posts? Because some, some blogs certainly want that. Uh, but what are some other maybe red flags that no, this, this site is, they're not going to be responsive. Maybe they're not even worth trying to share this asset with what, what turns you off from someone that, yeah, you have a website, but I don't want to place a link on your site. Uh, there definitely are sites that explicitly say like, do not email me for guest posts. Uh, like we do not waste our time with those sites. Like we believe them when they tell them they don't want to hear from us. Um, and then we also look at what is being linked to on the site already. Um, we think that the link neighborhood you're in is very important. So if a site is linking to other sites that you don't necessarily want to be associated with, like we won't outreach those sites. So like things that are very explicit um, that maybe are like fall into like online gambling things. Like if that's on the website, even if it's just a little bit, like if it's been published recently, we won't outreach those. So um, that's a big red flag. And then also just like how easy the contact information is to find. <laughs> like, like we will dig for contact information, but like if they don't, like if it's really hard to tell who to outreach, we will like craft our outreach with that in mind. So if it's just a general outreach uh, email, like an info or an admin, we're going to write that email differently than if it were emailing the editor or the owner of the website. Danica, I know you've been you've been in the industry for a while. I'm curious if there's any other kind of I smell think, test red flags that um, set you off. Really, when when we're looking at websites and who to contact, I think understanding job roles of who you're contacting is so vital. You know, kind of going off of what Jerry Ann said, um, the emails that you send to someone who is an admin or an intern or maybe has some oversight of the website, but isn't jumping into the back end to update a page or to publish a piece of content, you're going to 
talk to them differently than someone who's a webmaster, who um, is an editor, anyone who really manages a website, you're going to have a different conversation with, um, you know, it's, it's the difference between a decision maker and someone who can just get you the information to help move along that conversation that you're trying to have, whether that's getting an article published or working to have someone update a page and include a link to your resource. Um, I, I think for me, another red flag is um, especially on links lists or research resource pages is what other links they're including on the page. Is it only internal links or a sister website? If so, they're probably not looking for third-party resources, regardless of whether the resource we have is going to be useful for their audience and that, you know, they should add it. If they're not including external links, it's not a good use of your time. So I'm detecting a theme here in the authenticity being really built around empathy and respect for actual humans on the other end of these conversations, uh, managing these websites in different roles, and then by extension, the actual humans that they are trying to serve with their respective websites. So while we're on the subject of real people, I want to throw out here that uh, one of our promotions today is you can sign up for a free 30-minute SEO consultation with one of our real live experts who can take a look at your website, answer all your questions, and find out what kind of work you need. Do you need keyword help? Do you need link building help? Uh, do you need a technical audit? Or just kind of placing you next to your direct competitors. So check out the link. Uh, there's a link in chat if you're live, but there will also be a link in the show notes or the description if you're watching the recording. So definitely check that out. Um, we're also throwing a poll out there. There's a couple quizzes that have been going out. So I hope you're enjoying those. Just kind of asking SEO trivia. Uh, but we also have some, some uh, questions about how interested you are in talking to us. So please take a minute to fill that out. Now, uh, getting back to the, the thrust of it, what you're kind of talking about with red flags uh, is really, is this going to waste someone's time? Obviously, you don't want to waste your own time, but you're also kind of describing how can I be considerate, again, of these real people with real jobs. This website may be a job, it may be a hobby. How can I be respectful of their time? Uh, how in your messaging do you try to express, hey, I, I am asking something of you, even if it's to contribute something. How do you make those kinds of link building requests while being mindful of their time and respectful of their attention? I think for, for our department, um, just understanding how different industries work and what someone's schedule is going to look like is super vital. Um, universities, I think, are a huge group for us where they have different cycles through the year where school is starting, finals are happening, people are on holiday vacations, people might be taking sabbatical or extended leaves. Those are things when we're talking to, maybe it's a professor that is managing a page or um, a webmaster, you're going to have um, a little bit more understanding that January, the first week of January, you don't expect to hear back from them. But if you are reaching out to them saying, hey, I'd love to hear from you within the next X period of time is a really great door to not be pushy, 
not be um, spammy, but also understand you'd still love to talk to them when they have a free moment. I think that's just one example of, again, it, it ties back to just being aware of who you're talking to and what's important to them and what their value adds are and respecting their schedules. Um, you know, with people working from home and working remotely more, that changes people's schedules as well and what they're doing and when they're doing it. So including that, I think, in your emails is a really just great way to show that you're understanding of their time um, and, you know, just being clear and concise with everything that you're including in your email just helps to um, further show that you're not trying to add another thing to their to-do list that is just uh, an annoyance, but merely like hopefully it's something they can get to and um, be willing to work with you on. Absolutely. I, I'm curious, you're talking about value adds. Yeah. And when we're, when we're talking about using their time well and bringing something to the party, how, how do you make sure that the content you're offering is actually a value add? whether it's a topic that you're pitching for, for blog outreach or a direct link asset, how, how do you assess, oh, they actually need this or their readers, their visitors really need the content that I'm sharing? Uh, and how do, you, how do you express that value proposition in your outreach? The best route that I've seen over the years has been really when people look at and understand the purpose of an organization, whether that's from their values page or their about history of a company, um, you can really get a good grasp and handle on what they think is important, which helps you when you say, okay, X organization finds helping students or children and their safety is of a high priority. Any resource that we have that helps with that, whether it's online safety or in-person physical safety, mental health safety, um, that's going you have your different degrees of relevancy and understanding that is how you can help bridge that gap and provide that value add for, um, for a website you're reaching out to to talk to. On the guest post side, like we do a very similar thing. Like we will often pitch a specific guest post or a couple title options. And I think the most success we find is when those titles like are inspired by the current content on the site. So we will even often use like, oh, I saw your article about X um, and I really love to explore this topic further talking about this aspect of it that you didn't have a chance to touch on. And so you show them their audience is already interested in it because they've written about it, but there's more. And so you're adding to it. And so that's where the value is. Yeah, I agree on, you know, the, the list research listing side that, you know, looking at what your guide or our asset has that might not be listed on that page and presenting that to them. Say so you, you share some, you already share some wonderful pieces. This is something that's an addition to a helpful addition to. It's not just a, another one on the list. It's not, you know, really demonstrating its value, its worth, what it has to provide, you know, and connecting that to with terminology that they use or verbiage that's on the site already, you know, really 
connecting because those are words that they're familiar with they use and posted on their site so you know having that connection is you know creates that authenticity that we were talking about so and when you're making target lists really thinking about like here are things that are tangentially related here are people that like will be interested in like this topic so with the safety it's like okay so like we do have like different types of safety that people who are interested in internet safety might also be interested in this other form of safety that is like what our client is offering so i'm i'm watching the chat and i'm seeing some questions are starting to trickle in so i'm going to shift gears into the q a portion of the show here in just a second uh, but before we do, I just want to throw out there the other promo that we're running right now. We will offer a free uh, technical on-page, off-page analysis, uh, which is up to a $750 value. So if you check out the link that's uh, in chat or just check out the show notes or the description, depending on when you're watching this, uh, you can get the link to learn more about our free audit and talk to one of our specialists to get that going for you. So we've been talking a lot about process here. I wanna dial this all the way back to zero. Uh, we're talking a lot about link building. Why is link building important and how does it actually benefit SEO? Like what, what role does link building, backlink acquisition play in an SEO strategy? There's, there's a handful, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that, uh, it, it does. And, oh yeah, I see moderator jumped in there. Um, but really just building the authority to some of your really key pages and helping your website, um, expand is, is a core one. Link building sends signals to both like people and search engines <laughs> and so like uh people is like your end goal um and like your upfront goal as well but like when you're sending those so when you're linked from a site that shares an audience with you um even if it's just a segment of your audience or your audience is just a segment of your target site's audience you are like increasing your visibility and then um, since search engines are always looking for what is useful for people, you're also increasing your visibility for the search engines. Here's, here's the trend again, where we're talking about technical things, we're talking about web development things, but it all comes back to who are we serving, how are we serving them, and how can they be served better with, with our content, with the sites we're targeting for link building, the, the whole ecosystem. And I appreciate that you're talking about, you know, credibility and signals because link building ultimately is one of the kind of uh, three pillars that search rests on, right? Google constantly talks about eat, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And I think link building really gets to the core of all of those. Experts get linked because they're worth quoting and their, their assets are worth sharing. Uh, you showcase your authority by demonstrating how many people are linking to you. And obviously, uh, quality link building, white hat link building, represents the trust that you're accumulating online, right? So uh, a question that showed up, and this is a little bit of a leading question, but they're asking about how SEO can double your conversion rate. 
And I'm curious if you think doubling your conversion rate, is that, is that too ambitious? Is that realistic? Uh, what, what would you say about managing expectations for an SEO campaign in terms of the timeline, uh, how long it takes for the results to be felt, how long it takes to do the groundwork to do it right? And then when it comes to outcomes, uh, what, what does that look like? And I know because it depends is such a popular answer. What does it depend on for these different types of websites? What are, what are the key features that let you go, oh, you stand to benefit from link building or, oh, maybe you actually need a different content strategy? Uh, Danica, let's start with you on this one. I think it, it really, you know, putting, putting a timeline on it is so hard because you can go through and do some really quality future-proof work and um, really lay that ground down for your website and the different pages that you're wanting to improve on. Um, but if you don't do it right, you can do it like this and be ranking really well short-term. If you don't do it right, it's not gonna help you long-term. And managing that long-term and keeping that consistent work going, whether that's a new content strategy, evaluating your current content strategy, continuing link building, link building to the same pages versus different pages, focusing on the different keyword pillars you might be doing, running a technical audit on your website consistently because sometimes you miss things and sometimes things change. Google's guidelines, they are updating the algorithm all the time and making sure that you're in line with that takes time. It's something that you have to continue to do whether you put an emphasis on your content strategy, though, or on your keywords or on your link building, it, that's an internal discussion that you have to have on, okay, where is my website at right now? And what's going to benefit it the most? If your website is not set up well for Google bots to scrape it and see what's on the page, what's like what different audiences and products are you offering? If you don't have a good starting base, everything you do is going to take 10 times the effort. So doubling your conversion, going back to the question, like doubling your conversion rate, are you looking to double and double that and have quality conversions from your clients or, or from potential, um, you know, potential clients and um, you know buyers, or are you looking for a quick turnaround? Like you could double your conversion rate and it'd be garbage depending on the type of work that you're doing. I hate, I hate that it is, it depends, but it really like it, right. the, path it does. That, the path that you choose can dictate how long and how comprehensive the work that you're doing is. It's a choose your own course with different signs. I, I appreciate you bringing up the point of Google constantly evolving and even your own website evolving. Uh, we're broadcasting and recording this live at the very end of July. And just this week, we got the latest update to the Google search quality rater guidelines, which isn't exactly the Bible for ranking factors necessarily, but it's, it's kind of the, the nearest thing we have to real transparency from Google. So I think that just goes to show you the wheel never stops turning, right? So what what are your expectations? What are you starting from? Are you a brand new company trying to build name recognition and basic visibility? 
Are you an enterprise company that is trying to outcompete the up and comers? Uh, it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, just it really does depend on where you're coming from. Uh, Norma, I just wanted to throw in yeah, too, go ahead. with, um, with guest post link building too, conversion is a really interesting concept because like what is linkable in blog posts and articles is not landing page content. It is like, it is informative content that editors want to link to because it provides information. And so a conversion on a blog post or an article, um, like is not a sale. <laughs> uh, and that's why like when our clients like have content that we're linking to, we do think it's very important for them to have internal links linking to their uh, converting pages. But a conversion isn't always even traffic to that page. Like sometimes it is just like the link and like traffic is a great bonus. I, that's a really good point. Conversion really has to be defined to answer that, right? Because to the C-suite or to an owner, conversion is money in our account. But from a link building standpoint, conversion is maybe, yes, I would be happy to publish a link to this or creating new content that links internally to your valuable pages. So the knock-on effect is beneficial. It supports visibility. It, it gives you the brand development that you're looking for. But not all of it directly corresponds to money in your pocket. Sometimes that's a few steps down the road or it takes time for that benefit to gather. Um, another question that just came in, can I use the content I already have for link building or do I need to create brand new content? So Kevin, I'm curious what your attitude on this is because you're asking for direct links to assets. You have to sell the asset. Right. How do you tell if someone is ready for prime time for you to go out there and ask for links to their content versus when they need to create something that's even worth pitching? You know, I think it's, that's definitely a thing we run into, you know, um, I think really just going through and seeing, examining and researching, is there an audience for that piece? You know, is it structured well? Is it readable? Is there good flow to the article or the post, the resource, whatever uh, you want to use. Um, and also, do you like visually appealing, you know, is there, do you have a bunch of ads on that page popping up and things like that, that might not be able to pitch as well to, to a target or a potential linking site. So I think really that's, you know, those are some things that I think we, we, you know, look at and have trouble with sometimes converting if it's an art an older piece that the out this the information's outdated or if there's you know new updates to it you know is really important to you know take a look at and be honest with the client too you know if like this won't work because of this reason or will work great because of these reasons so i think you know obviously both sides work well you know doing fresh content and, you know, revamping even a current one is possible as well too. So yeah. not, not be start from scratch. It could just be like a rebuild of it. So I love that you brought up the same way that we're assessing sites that we might target for link building safe to assume they're assessing what we're passing to them as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We don't want to get links on a site that we don't want to be associated with. 
the other side of the coin is the site needs to be in pretty good shape before we can ask for people to link to it. If it's, if it's spammy, if it's too commercial, if the content is out of date or low quality, those are all signs, not just to create new content, but like you pointed out, Kevin, to maybe look at how your site is structured. And again, going at, looking at the technical side, is this loading well? Can you view it on mobile? Is it going to crash your browser? All those things. Right. So something else that has come up a couple times, and I want to ask all three of you about, it really gets to the core of scale and quality and what the relationship between those two things is when it comes to link building. So the, the first question I want to ask is, can you send the same linkable asset to multiple websites? Like if I have one good article or one good page, how many times can I share that out and hope to get links to that? I'll jump in here. Uh, you can send it out to any site that's going to find that relevant. I mean, it's a bit different on the content side, but when you have an existing asset on your website and you're trying to, to have backlinks, you know, built to it, it really, it's going to be valuable for a variety of different people. And there are hundreds of websites that exist that I, I say there are so many websites, um, but there are going to be so many websites that exist to address a specific audience. You also have to consider, especially when you're um, looking at pre-existing assets that you're going to be pitching to links lists or resource pages, there's a different degrees of relevancy in terms of um, websites that are going to have domain to domain relevance, uh, domain to page relevance based on your asset, page to page relevance. Um, and that just expands the runway you have of target websites that you can reach out to and talk to. So I, I would say as long as it's relevant and the quality is up to snuff, there could be countless ones. That would be a lot of work, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the, the time that you stop is when it's not relevant and there's no quality target websites. That, that is when you have found the line and you should stop outreaching. That's, that's a good qualifier. Not that you're out of websites, but you're out of quality websites. Because like we said, you don't necessarily want to link from everyone serving an audience. Yeah. You want links from websites that are serving their audiences well with reputable content that themselves have a good reputation. So again, you, you only want to be associated with people that reflect well on you. And with websites, it's the same way. So you, you've talked about relevance a lot. So I want to throw this one out there. Another question from the audience. What is the relationship between keywords and link building? And I, I feel like Danica already kind of answered that a little bit in talking about relevance and the different levels of relevance. But uh, Jerry Ann or Kevin, do you want to talk about how keyword research or just considering the keywords on a page uh, influence link building? Um, yeah, so like keywords are a great tool to be able to tell what content is about. <laughs> and um, like one thing that we will use in um, our outreach as a strategy is like looking at the keywords for our target sites and really making the connection between the keywords for our asset and keywords that the site might want to rank for. 
So like if it's in a sustainability niche and we have an asset about like green energy, like we'll talk about like specific green energy keywords that maybe the site, the target site already like ranks for, but not great. And, but maybe they're not too hard to rank for. We might put that in the title of the piece we're pitching and like tell them like, this is relevant to you. Like people searching for this topic, like might be more likely to find you if you have a piece really about it. So the, the keywords are a reflection again of audience and intent and trying to serve both, right? Absolutely. Now, Kevin, I, I know it can be a little bit different on the research side, but I'm, I'm curious, keywords are kind of a big factor of how you even conduct site finding. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. You know, with so many different words meaning the same thing in different audiences and, you know, regionally even, you know, different parts of the country can refer to different topics in slightly different usage, you know, so really, you know, I, I make so many lists of every topic I get into of just synonyms, you know, or similar words that I can search for or find for and looking at other targets and seeing, you know, how they use those words, you know, like I said, the verbiage earlier is really using that connection to dig deeper into search results, you know, and seeing how many different angles that can open up for you, different audience shifts, you know, slightly, you know, north, northeast instead of going north, you know, but it's still, you know, in that ray of where you could be and where it's, a quality place where to rest is at, you know. So another question that just came in, uh, this is more to do with how you go about your outreach. How do you find out who the right person is to outreach? And do you ever use something like a directory or a similar tool to find either owners of guest blogging websites or, you know, other people who would be in a position to help you build links? Uh, Jirian, let's let's start with you on that one because I think the the answers might be different depending on the tactic we're using. Um, yeah, uh, finding contact information like the the greatest tool our team uses is their powers of observation. <laughs> um, using like what information is available on the website, like even when site owners will hide their information a little bit, a lot of times they will put it there in privacy pages in like um like in code like not in a like email format um but also then just using like search engines to find contact information and like there are like contact scraping tools that can be used to see if like an um an email address is associated with a website mm. Kevin, what about on the research side? Um, I think I was thinking of that. And I think with content, you might be reaching out to more like an editor, like you were saying, or a webmaster in more particular than the resources where ours will like take a, if you're a university department, you know, a, a health department that you're reaching out to instead of looking at the broad scale and like, this is the webmaster of this entire Boise State University website, you know, looking at who I'm outreaching to, who's in charge of this topic area, and then going into staff directories and, you know, locating people in that department 
And it might, you know, that's not always broken down by this person's in charge of the website or this person is in charge of link, um, you know, optimizing or, you know, researching that. But, you know, not being afraid to ask who is in charge of the website is a big thing too. You know, it might not be your, your first step, you know, you might not be able to just throw in, hey, I want to show you this. It's okay. It's the personable side of saying, hey, who might be in charge of this or who should I contact? And then, you know, going from there is a, an option. You know, you don't have to start off with the request right off the bat sometimes, you know, or that's doesn't finalize it if you don't get an answer either. You know, sometimes a director or a manager or coordinator, communications specialist, you know, really learning those different terms and seeing who's all there and making making the effort to find out you know who is in charge and who's the appropriate contact so so i i appreciate that you brought up again time wasting and you know listening to the answers that you're getting and part of that is finding the right person to reach out to in the first place but i'm curious and there's some questions to this effect when is it a definitive no and what about if someone's not responding? How, how much follow-up is appropriate? And if someone declines a link, might you reach out to them again with a, with a different link? Uh, so when, you, when you're, let's talk about ghosting first. What happens when you just cannot get an answer? What do you do? I mean, go ahead, Jerrion. So we typically like will follow up if we are not responded to about three to four times. And like one thing we do in our initial outreaches, um, not every time, but like one thing we play with is like telling them, like, if I don't hear from you, I will touch base. And so they know to expect to hear from us. And like, we also say like, if you're not interested, like, let me know. (laughs) And so we kind of do throw in that, like, I don't want to waste your time. Uh, I do uh, encourage the team to avoid negative language <laughs> to like, so like, don't put out the idea you're wasting their time, but do like show them you respect their time. Um, but like we do a few follow-ups and if they say an absolute no, we don't take guest posts. We're not interested. We leave them alone. We don't outreach them again. But if they say like, oh, we're not taking guest posts now, or uh, something that leaves things more open, then we will respond with like, oh, I might contact you in the future, or I'd love to work if you're ever interested. And we'll let them know they can contact us if they're interested. Um, And sometimes we might reach again out again in another year. So I imagine that's a little different from the research side of things because with guest posts, you're opening a door for maybe ongoing contributions and really trying to start a more enduring relationship in some ways. What, what does rejection look like on the research side where it's maybe rejecting an asset as opposed to rejecting a relationship? You get so many variations and I think tone is huge um, to really try and understand when you get a, a response that is a rejection. If someone says no with a period, it's a little bit more, um, you know, of a statement than someone that says, no, thank you. Uh, that's if someone says, no, thank you. The likelihood that I'm going to reach out and say, I appreciate you telling me, is there anything about our resource that would have changed your mind is a little bit more acceptable than someone who says, 
um, unsubscribe. You know, we get that all the time too, where if they say that, they're off the list. You don't want to spam someone. And I think, um, you know, just really understanding the type of no or the type of rejection you're getting is so vital to just not even building relationships, whether you have a new asset that comes up in the future that you want to send to that website, if the door is still kind of open, or if you're, you know, like you don't want to spam someone because they could blast you on social media. That's something if you're if you're spamming someone, they're not going to appreciate that. And again, for me, a gut check is always, am I okay with how many emails I would be receiving from this? Is two two follow-up emails acceptable? I I know for a fact, I would not want to get five plus emails from someone that would really, that would be frustrating to see that in my inbox. Um, But I (laughs) like, it, it really understanding the tone and the authenticity of how someone's saying no is super important. So again, empathy and human connection, right? These are real people. They're not just websites. They're not just link opportunities. They're people with feelings and priorities and time to manage. If we're respectful of that, we'll have a, a better relationship and a better outcome. And even if it is an initial no, like you said, depending on the tone, maybe with the right ask, the right asset, we can change that relationship. So in the interest of everyone's time, uh, normally these episodes are 30 minutes or less. That's kind of what we're trying to do with SEO on demand. But we had just some some really good questions coming in. Uh, I tried to get to as many as I could, but since we're creeping up on 50 minutes now, Uh, I think we're going to have to call it for this time, but I hope anyone who didn't make it or didn't get their questions answered will consider showing up the next time we do this. I think the the SEO on demand format is going to happen maybe every fourth episode. So uh, definitely continue to follow us on our RSS, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel or to Spotify so that you can get both our pre-recorded episodes and news about upcoming live episodes. Uh, Speaking of upcoming episodes, SEO On Demand episode five is gonna be coming out on August 11th, where P1P experts Katie and Natalie are gonna be talking about targeting zero search volume keywords, strategies, best practices, and insights. And I, for one, will be listening to that because I'm always interested to hear how people approach search volume with respect to keywords. So that'll definitely be a good one. Uh, with that, uh, thank you again, Danica, Kevin, Jerry, Ann, our expert panel. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed yourselves. I hope our, our listeners, our viewers, live or after the fact into the future, all got something out of this episode. Uh, thank you for being a part of it. Thanks and for uh, yeah, it's, it's been a treat. Uh, Take care. Try to stay cool out there. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Thanks.